Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. I'm always so excited when I can bring a guest on that has a fantastic energy, teachable point of view. Again, someone who's been there, done that, and then teaches from that perspective. And it's even more fun when it's a buddy of mine. Our guest today is Mr. Walter Bond. Walter came on the scene as a basketball player in college, played in the NBA for the Dallas Mavericks, Utah Jazz, and the Detroit Pistons. And that was cool. But then when he retired, he's gone on to become a presenter, a speaker, TV host, you name it. But he has presented at a number of our events and literally blown our audience away. We've booked hundreds of speakers in the past 20-plus years at Buffini Company, and rarely have we heard feedback and people saying, I want to hear that guy again, as often as we did with Walter. I call him my brother from a different mother. Walter, we are delighted to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. You know, I've learned a long time ago when Brian Buffini asked you to do something, <laughs> you just nod your head and say yes. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. You know, we're in 167 countries and hundreds of thousands of people will listen to this. Awesome. Let's take them back to the beginning so we can let them experience all the wonderful. I know you're a, a Chicago guy, but tell me about where you started and what it looked like in the Bond household. Yeah, you know, great story. You know, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a city kid. But my mom and dad were from the South. Mm. My dad's from Tennessee. My mom's from Kentucky. So even though I'm a big city kid, I really had Southern roots, mm. kind of old-fashioned. We go to church on Sunday. You say yes and thank you and please. <laughs> and uh, my dad was a high school principal, mm. and he was actually my high school principal. Oh, wow. And my mother taught kindergarten. So wow. believe it or not, at night, the TV went off from 7 to 9. Mm. And, you know, a lot of my friends were out running the streets, getting into trouble. But I was in the house, door locked, before the streetlights came on, doing homework from <laughs> 7 to 9. So, you know, I wouldn't call my house, like, really strict, but there was order. You know, my mom kind of ran the show, and when she needed to bring in her heavy, I called Dad, <laughs> he came in. And it was over when he got involved. So, she go to the bullpen, she's bringing yeah. in a high school principal. That, oh, that's yeah, kind of tough, man. brother. Yeah, it was over quick. It was over quick. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So... You grew up in that environment, South Side's kind of rough and tumble neighborhood, and somehow you found your way into the, the world of basketball. Talk about growing up through that process. Well, you know, ironically, you know, I grew up in a, a very athletic family. I uh-huh. have an uncle that I was named after played Major League Baseball. His mm. name's Walt Bond. Mm. My big sister played at USC, won a national championship. I got a bunch of aunts who are all state. So I come what what from a sport family. did your sister play? Uh, basketball. Oh, we yeah. National championship at USC. Wow. With a girl named Cheryl Miller. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, they, they were good. Man. Yeah. I knew about women. This WNBA, you know, people get excited. Man, I knew girls could play back in the 70s and <sighs> 80s before it became popular. So come from a very athletic family, but it never overpowered school. Mm. You know, my parents were like, hey, good game today. How's your homework? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, great game today. You made the yeah. winning play, but what's your GPA? How great is that, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a world today good. where it's sports fixation and finds your identity in it, you know, as, and I'm sure as you know now and teaching and training people, that great foundation you get from mom and dad, it really does set you up, doesn't it? It does, and I'm speaking to the NBA rookies um, August 16th mm. in uh, New York City, so that's a treat. Mm. And, 
you know, a lot of parents will be there. And I almost want to talk to the parents more than I do the kids because these guys are only 19, 20 years old. I mean, Mm. they're still not even legally able to go in a bar and buy a drink, but then they get dumped tens of millions of bucks. And a lot of these parents need to make sure that they don't get caught up and they maintain the relationship of mom and dad. Yeah. And I've had the same thing. I've done it with the NFL rookies and so on and so forth. And I think the average person has no idea what kind of pressure these folks are under, what's expected of them. They have to grow up in front of the public. They still don't even know who they are yet. I had a kid come up to me at the last NFL session I did, and he goes, I'm paying six people's house payments. Wow. I had one guy, he was the first-round draft choice. His mom sent him a bill for everything she'd ever spent on him yeah, his whole life growing yeah, up, the yeah, day yeah. he got drafted, I'm like, good Lord. And the flip side of that, Brian, my rookie year, uh, my dad came to town, and we went out to dinner, and I whipped out my credit card to pay for dinner, and he would not accept it. He said, look, I'm still dead. Right. You know, and wow. the polar opposites. You know? Wow. But, um, you know, I feel sorry for some of these kids. You know, you get uh, families that never had money. Everyone gets excited, and they don't understand money. Mm-hmm. So if you have 30 people on payroll and none of them drive revenue, you're running a small company, right? <laughs> Nobody's creating revenue. Uh-uh. So if you want to know how an athlete goes broke, that's how it happens. Right. You have 30 people on payroll, and none of them create revenue. And uh-huh. it doesn't take long for 30 people to run through a couple million bucks. <laughs> yep. Now, your deal was different. You weren't the number one draft choice. You kind of had to grind it out. And I'm kind of a gritty guy myself. You know, you're six five basketball player. I'm five nine, little Irishman. By the way, five nine for an Irish Italian is top of the line. Just so you know, I'm the guy, I'm the right? Cadillac. You know, <laughs> but you often tell the story of uh, your experience, you know, in college and going through it and getting to your breaking points and pushing through that. I'd love you to share some of that stuff with our audience today, just because I think there's so much to be learned from it. Right. Well, you know, if if anyone's seen the movie Rudy, mm-hmm. I'm Rudy. You know, I didn't start on my college basketball team. You know, after being a high school basketball star, that was it. Mm. You know, because that's a minimum requirement to play Division One basketball. And right. once I got to campus, you know, everybody's a stud where they came from. And then you got to kind of recalibrate. Right. And my freshman year, I got recalibrated. I'm sitting on the bench, Brian, mm. you know, with just no minutes, no playing time. And almost gave up on my dream. But I had this dialogue with my dad, and he would always ask questions. And the first question he asked my freshman year was, you know what, you're not playing, son. Why not? And I gave him an 18-year-old answer. I said, politics, Dad, it's political. Right. That's, like the, that's the corporate answer, right? Yeah. And uh, my father asked me another question. He was like, how does your coach get paid? And I was like, Dad, he gets paid to win. He mm-hmm. says, okay, son. Well, if he gets paid to win, won't he pay the players to give him the best chance to win? Mm. And I was kind of like a long pause, kind of like, hey, is mom home? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want this tough love crap. I want a different answer. Yeah, but, you know, that was a great moment, though, where I learned accountability. Mm. And when I think about a person reaching their potential, you can't reach your potential without being accountable. Mm. Like, my best-selling book is titled All But Stink. Yeah. How to live your best life and eliminate excuses. So Mm -hmm. if there's any realtors out here or any leaders, any managers that have excuses, Mm -hmm. I made excuses and didn't even realize it. I mean, that was my reality. And unfortunately, you can buy into an excuse that's just an excuse, but you can really convince yourself that it's truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on that bench, and I convinced myself that my situation was out of my control. Mm-hmm. And boy, was I wrong. Right. My father really empowered me to be accountable, and obviously the rest is history. 
such great stuff. You know, my wife Beverly played in the Olympic team, and she said going from high school to going to college was like a different sport. And then going from college to going to the U.S. Olympic team was like a totally different sport again. And there's a book I read years ago that said, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. That's a great title. Right. And so you're, you're in a situation. You're a high school star. Everybody's fawning all over you. You're the big fish in the small pond. That's right. You get to the next level. You have these expectations. Hey, based on what I was in the past, right. here's what my present's going to look like. Right. And people are like, uh-uh, now you have to grow. You have to continue right. to grow. That's right. That's right. So what did you go about doing? Your dad holds the light up. He gives you yeah. the accountability. Right. What, what did you go about doing? Well, you know, the, the old saying is new levels, new devils. Mm-hmm. Right? And so one mistake I made, I confused my potential with who I was at the time. Mm. And, you know, a lot of us have potential, but sometimes we don't understand that who we are and where we are today is a point of reference. Right. And, you know, I'm a big supporter of activity. You know, a lot of times if you want to make more money, if you want to be more successful, you got to up your activity. Mm-hmm. And so in further review, I wasn't staying extra after practice. I wasn't working hard as I could. And basically, I had to change my activity. Mm-hmm. And I stole a key from a manager, and I would sneak into the stadium at night mm. and shoot the basketball at night. Mm. And it was just like a mental edge. And I got hungry. Mm. I got obsessed. And I began to put in the work. I gave it the energy. I got my passion back. And all of a sudden, I realized that, you know what, talent got me here, but talent's not going to get me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you just said. And so... Everyone was talented, right? And so I had to learn how to work. I had to be honest about my strengths and my weaknesses. And before I knew it, I got on this performance improvement track. And about four years later, I was in the NBA starting for the Dallas Mavericks. For people to understand, to go from there's hundreds of thousands of kids that play high school sports. There are thousands and tens of thousands of kids that play college basketball. But there is very few who get to be in the NBA. There's 30 teams. There's 10 to 12 guys. It's a very, very small, limited group of people that make that number. And what I heard you just say is you increased your activity, you increased your energy, you got hungrier, and it led to getting your passion back. And so that disappointment fueled you as opposed to letting that disappointment define you and depress you. That's the road less traveled, right? Well, you know, I believe in honest self-assessment, mm. you know, and basically it can be hard to have an honest self-assessment. Mm. And I think in business, you have to be fundamentally sound. Right. So in basketball, can I dribble better? Can I shoot better? Can I play better defense? So basically I had to up my game and I had to master fundamentals. And so honestly, Brian, when I got into business, I had to focus on business fundamentals. Mm-hmm. You know, how good do I market? You know, how good of a sales guy am I? Mm-hmm. How good am I with people? Right. I had to really begin to be honest about my business skill set. And when I first got into business, I knew nothing. Right. Right? But one thing I did have going for me is I had the mindset. Once right. I made it to the NBA, I realized the journey and the work ethic and the process. Mm. And a lot of times, people don't understand process. Mm-hmm. If you can get process down and understand that I got to get bigger, stronger, and faster every year. So we have a concept called the off-season. And it's a sports concept, but it should apply to all of us. Hmm. If pro athletes have an off-season, why not you? Right. There's got to be a little break you take every year where you don't work in your business, you work on your business. Mm. And that's how you get exponential growth. Because when you're competing, you're going to do what you do well. But how do you get better? How do you get more leads? How do you get more acquainted to your software? How do you actually use your technology 100% instead Mm -hmm. of just 10%? You know, I mean, what do you need to do? And we have a concept called the power of two. 
what are the two things that if you did them relentlessly and consistently will get you to the next level? And once you figure out what that is, you got to schedule it done. Mm-hmm. You know, once I determine what these two activities are, now I got to go and do them. And so when we work with professionals or companies, we talk about it. Like, right. what are your activities that if you do these two activities, going to have a huge impact on your bottom line? And once you determine what they are, let's go get it done. And you've got to become relentlessly anal about <laughs> doing these activities every day. Right. And this is what I love is, because I always believe your past leads to your future. That's right. Success leaves clues. You had a crisis moment where you go, I either got to get better to make a college team or I'm done. You persevered through. It gets you to the NBA. Now you've got to go, okay, now i got Akeem Olajuwon, and i got people that are, you know, dunking on top of my head that can jump taller, you can jump higher, run faster. And now you, those same principles break through. And here we are jumping into business, and the same things that got you, the fundamentals that got you in college, the fundamentals that got you through the NBA right. are the same fundamentals you had to apply to your new career. And that's the power of it. It gets to come with you, right? Well, here's what's interesting. You know, I was so focused on getting to the NBA. Yeah. The reason I'm a Hall of Fame speaker right now, Brian, if I can be honest and totally transparent, that I didn't have a vision for the NBA. Mm. All I wanted to do was get there. Right. You know, I had no game plan on how to stay. Yeah. <laughs> and before I knew it, I was back out the NBA. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like going to the top of the mountain, and as soon as you get there, you plant your flag and then fall back down the mountain. Right. So when I started my new company as a training and development guru, the night I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, a woman came to me. I'm sitting there with my tuxedo on, best night of my life. And she was like, wow, aren't you excited? I was like, yeah, I'm excited. She says, well, you're not acting like it. I was like, one, I expected to be here. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm focused on how I'm going to stay. Right. And she looked at me like, wow. Yep. I learned my you lesson. Know? I learned my lesson, right? Thank you. I'm like, look, I don't want to just make it to the Hall of Fame. How did you get into the speaking business? I mean, a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, you're a jock. You become successful. You make the NBA. You've made a good living. Then what happens is you wake up one day and go, now what do I do? You know, it's not about my body. It's not about putting a ball through an iron hoop. How did you end up in the speaking business? Well, a couple things went right. Part of my goal was to make more money in business than I did in sports. Right. I had that when I was like 15, 16, because I got tired of hearing about athletes go broke. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make more money in business when I retire. Mm -hmm. So that was a goal I had when I was a little boy, like 11, 12, 13. So I was eager to start something different, new, when my basketball career ended. But I'm going to give credit to my college basketball coach. At our senior banquet, the seniors get a chance to give a speech. And it's only about 10 minutes. And so allegedly, I gave the greatest 10-minute speech in the history of the University of Minnesota basketball team. (laughs) And, you know, my coach came to me and said, look, son, you should be a motivational speaker. Hmm. Now, Brian, that meant nothing to me at 21 years old. But what happened... Ten years later, when my career was over, I was broadcasting for the Minnesota Timberwolves and didn't really enjoy broadcasting. Mm. I didn't see that as my purpose, and I was kind of lost, a little confused, and I sat down and thought about, you know what, what would I really enjoy doing? That would be lucrative, to be honest with you. Sure. And I remember what my coach said, and I started doing homework. I started studying the industry And I started watching videos, you know, videos of guys like Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Mm -hmm. Jim Rohn, Mm -hmm. you know, Tony Robbins. And I watched game film. Mm -hmm. And we had no money coming in, by the way. (laughs) Checking account was dwindling. (laughs) We had saved all of our money, but we didn't make Kobe Bryant money. Yeah, right. right. So I knew what it took, though. 
I study these top speakers. They're all very entertaining and dynamic, and they give great information. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian Buffini, that's you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're entertaining and dynamic, and you give these realtors and these realty companies great information. That's what it's all about. And so we started our business, you know, 18 years ago, and I had a lot of entertainment, but I had no information. <laughs> But I knew it, though. I knew my game, Brian. I had to read books. I had to study. And before I knew it, I started writing books. Mm -hmm. Now we write training systems. Now we have coaching programs. And I've been able to get the information now instead of just the inspiration. Yeah, that's it, right? You need it all. They need the juice, but they need the how-tos and a little bit of how to change the thinking pattern. Here's a little segue. I'm going to give you a little testimonial. I'm going to ask you for some of your just quick-fire top tips for success here in a minute. And I'm going to give you a little feedback. You spoke in Anaheim. We sold out so many, we had to have the similar-sized ballroom down the hall. And I had a young man I had invited to come, and he's a college coach who was going from a Division II school to a Division I school. And, man, Walter Bond just lit him up. And you had all these little tips. And one of the tips was about your college coach that recruited you. And he, he looked like money. He talked like money. And so this young man, here he is. He's a brand-new Division One coach. And uh, he coaches at USD here in San Diego, top 10 program for volleyball in the country. And so he starts going on these recruiting trips. He starts going to these volleyball tournaments. And he starts wearing a suit and tie, which nobody does. Nobody, they're all wearing, you know, their golf shirt from their athletic program and a pair of sweats. And he starts showing up in these suits and whatever. Next thing you know, he's got these recruits coming. He's got all these conversations coming. He's got these head coaches coming. And he just took the Walter Bond and and put it right to place. And he's cranking right now. And and, uh, they're very happy with him over at the USD University there. So give us a couple of your top tips. Just give us rapid fire. You work with people all the time. You see where people struggle all the time. You're talking to somebody, hey, here's a few tips to be successful in business. What do you tell them? Well, you know, you just shared a big one. You know, we live in a very visual world. Mm-hmm. All studies show that the better we look, the more money we make. And I come from sports. you got to pass the eyeball test. Mm-hmm. You can love football all you want, but if you don't look like a quarterback, you're not going to play quarterback. Right. If you don't look like a point guard, you're not going to play point guard. So from my sports background, you got to pass the eyeball test. So mm-hmm. always look like success, always look like money. When you go into a professional environment, you should be the best-dressed person in the room. Yeah. Why? It gives you a slight advantage. You always notice that football coaches look like football coaches. Right. You know, if you're telling people you're a top realtor, you should look like a top realtor. Right. If you tell people you're a top financial advisor, you should look like you have some money yourself. Right? <laughs> so, you know, that's just common sense to me. Yeah. Know? And so that's one. Two, I think it's important to have access to the right information. Mm -hmm. We have to be lifelong learners. I think it's important to always have a book on your nightstand, Mm -hmm. always go to some kind of training, always getting certified, because sometimes we don't know what we don't know, so we got to always get information. Mm -hmm. Here's probably the best one, is getting access to people. And if I can encourage anyone on this call today, you got to use your money wisely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all about going to Capitol Grill and blowing 200 bucks, right? What happens if you took that 200 bucks and got access to information and people? You know, I live in a neighborhood right now in Boca Raton, Florida. We have nine billionaires in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. and we invested in this neighborhood. Why? Because we wanted access 
to very successful people. Mm -hmm. So I was having breakfast with a billionaire, and I didn't even know it. Mm. And this guy's like, Walter, let's go to dinner. Let's go to dinner. I saw him this morning. He's like, you didn't call me. And I was like, this is crazy. I was kind of blown off a billionaire. What's wrong with me? (laughs) But, you know, getting access to people that have been successful, you know, what happened to me when I retired from basketball, my wife goes, hey, we need to join a country club. I'm like, girl, you've lost your mind. We're barely paying rent and mortgage and, you know, country clubs. She's like, look, you got to get around successful business people. Yeah. And I never forget, I was a little nervous, a little scared, and I went into the country club, and I heard these guys talking. And one guy goes, you know, it didn't cost me that much. It was only 50 grand. And I was like, huh? Who, what? <laughs> he talked about 50000 like it was nothing. Mm. And I just kept eavesdropping, kept listening. And before I knew it, I would go home and say, you know, it didn't cost a lot of money. It's only a thousand. It's not a lot of money. It's only five grand. And my wife would look at me like, dude, what's gotten into you? Like, who are you? But it began to change my mindset. Mm. It began to change my relationship to how I saw money. And here's the kicker. I married a corporate woman. And obviously when I played ball, she didn't work. She raised the kids. She was at home and she was happy. And I started getting nervous, and I was like, baby, you need to go get a job, you know, get some benefits, do something, help a brother out, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> at the country club, though, I mean, these women, not all of them, but some of them were at the pool, focused on the kids, giving them snacks. I mean, it was really cool to have mom giving that hands-on training and care to their own kids mm-hmm. instead of dropping them off at daycare. Right. And I was like, you know what, this is cool. And then I began to get confident like, if these guys can do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know? And before I knew it, I began to think like the guys at the country club. I began to talk like the guys at the country club. Mm-hmm. I began to dress like the guys at the country club. I began to think like the guys at the country club. And eventually, the lagging indicator <laughs> was I began to make what the guys at the country right. club made. Yep. And about every four or five years, we began to upgrade country clubs. And right now, we're at a country club where I don't know if we can do any better. We have nine billionaires. Everyone's nice. Everyone's generous. You know, everyone's in the philanthropy. And it's just incredible to be around brilliant people. You exposed your environment. You expanded your horizons. And you grew into that environment, right? They talk about the koi pond. And the the larger the koi pond, the larger the koi fish will grow. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. And I it, do know. You know. If it's in a small little bowl, it'll stay 18 inches. It's in a big place. It can get three, four feet long, you know? And yeah, it's, it's it funny is. you say that. You know, my daughter, Anna, we had lunch with her. She's the horse rider. And she's representing the U.S. a couple of years ago down the place in Florida called Wellington. Yeah, I know and where that is. The big horse community. It's it's. Sure billionaire gazillionaire i'm kind of the broke guy in the, in the party there you know so we go down there and i never forget it we were in this kind of cool coffee shop and anna and i are standing in line there's a bunch of people in line and most of the people in front of us they're wearing little horse pants and stuff and it was a bunch of older ladies so this dude pulls up he's got the ferrari rawr, comes in he comes out he's got the highlights in the hair and it, it looks like it's going to be about 10 minutes to get a, a cup of coffee or something and he goes hey I'll give anybody 300 bucks if they'll give me their place at the front of the line. Oh, my goodness. And this little old lady, she had to be 85, turns around and she goes, Oh, honey, please, we could all buy and sell you 10 times over. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and I, I ended up sitting down and have coffee with this gal. Her husband and her had built the second largest hedge fund in the history oh of mankind. God. She wow. was worth oh billions. God. 
Her husband was thinking of buying one of the NFL teams at the time. And right. so here was this dude with his rented Ferrari. Right. That's trying to buy them. And so you just you get in that environment and you meet those people. And the next thing you know, you're, you're saying something that right. a lot of people didn't hear what you just said. Right. You're at this country club where there's all these billionaires and go, these people are so nice. They're so genuine. They're down to earth. They give. What I found is, for the most part, not all the time, for the most part, the higher I went up the chain, the more genuine and down to earth the people were because they're exactly very comfortable right. with it. They're secure. You're exactly right. You know, you think about if you make a billion dollars, you have no reason to be insecure. Right? <laughs> and and I, yeah, right. I have found that. You know, and I'm not a money's guy. I don't yeah. even care about money, to be honest. I just want to be the best in the world. Yeah. You know, at what I do, and the money normally shows up. Mm -hmm. But when I've been around these very successful people, the guy across the street goes, Walter, you're never here. Where you been? And I jokingly say, Brian, well, if I had your plane, I'd be here more often. <laughs> jokingly, and he looked kind of shrugged his shoulders, like, huh? Okay. Yep. I was like, dude, that's a plane. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Where do I live? You yep. know, but yep. everybody's so nice. Everybody's so down to earth. I had dinner with a guy named Cliff Viner. He used to own the uh, Florida Panthers, the hockey team. Mm. He sends 100 kids to college every year. Yep. And while we're having dinner, he goes, you know, Walter, I don't know if I'm doing enough. You know, I'm thinking, dude, I have my own three kids, yeah. and I'm sending them to college, and I think I'm the village hero. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm sending my own kids to college, and yep. you're sending a hundred random strangers to college, yeah. and you're asking yourself, am I doing enough? So yeah. the bottom line is, is that, you know, I think wealthy people are wealthy in their mind first mm. because they're generous because money is a currency, mm -hmm. right? Which means it's, it's meant to flow. And right. so a lot of times when we get really cheap and try and hold on to money, that's when we don't make it. So mm -hmm. invest in information, but more importantly, invest in access. Mm. So if you get access to the right people, you know, a lot of times I believe that successful people know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know the right people, my goodness, it can be a game changer for people. And I know it is for me. No, that's great. And a rare tip. And it changes how you think and it changes your environment. You also don't have to fake it. You know, right. uh, what I found is successful people were more than happy to help me become successful. So you don't have that's to fake right. it. Here's one thing specifically I'd love you to get into. I love when you talk about developing your own niche. You know, one of my mentors, Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, he would always say, Brian, get rich in a niche. And, and I said, okay. And I found the real estate training business. We had lunch here recently. He goes, man, <laughs> I didn't realize you're going to get this rich in this right. niche. Talk about that because I think it's a very powerful concept. Talk about your thoughts on getting into a niche. Well, I think it's important in business to own a niche. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a jack of all trades is going to be a master of none. Mm -hmm. And so... The funny story is when I retired from basketball before I kind of focused on training and development, I was all over the place. I was doing some network marketing. I had a deal where I can liquidate Sam's and Walmart's. You know, my wife appreciated my hard work, but I was divided. Mm -hmm. I was literally doing five different things, and I did none of them well. Mm -hmm. And she said, look, honey, come here. Sit down. Like, just look. I'm stressed out. You know what I mean? I'm just, just nervous, right? Mm -hmm. She goes, look, 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 look. Let me help you. I'm your wife. I've been put on this earth to help you, but I can't help you do five things. Right. Take a deep breath. Take a couple of days and figure out that one thing you want to do mm -hmm. and focus on it, just like you did basketball. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. She's like, don't give me a quick answer. Take as long as you need. But when you make that decision, we're going to be decisive and we're going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And Brian, I took about a week. I thought about it. I thought about it. And I remember what my college coach said. 
that I should be a motivational speaker. Mm. I went back to my wife. I said, babe, I want to be a speaker. And she says, wow, okay, I've heard you talk about that. You sure? I was like, yeah, I'm sure. You're not going to do anything else with that? I was like, yep, I promise. <laughs> Three years later, Brian, I had doubled my NBA income. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to talk about the power of focus. You right. Know, you talk about power. That's force, right? You know, people use the word power just so lightly. Power is force. Mm. And the more focus we get, the more power that we can generate, right? Mm. The more force we have. So I think it's important for any professional to get very, very focused on a niche. Now, once you get money, you can invest in other things. You can launch new companies and equip it with professionals, and maybe you manage them. Yeah. But I think you got to have a core. You see, in sports, you got to have your abs tight. Mm. You can't show me an athlete who claims they're in great shape with flabby abs. <laughs> so to me, if your core is tight, mm. you know, you're in shape. Right. So before you start delegating and before you start launching new companies and doing other things, make sure your core is tight. Because typically if your core is tight, you can do other things and you're in such great shape when you launch new things, it's going to work too. Mm. But I still think if you have a niche, if you start launching other things, they still should supplement and complement that core niche. Right. So McDonald's, for example, they sell burgers, right? That's their niche. But they sell french fries. They got apple pie. Mm. You can get a salad. You can get a soda. They got auxiliary products, but their core is still burgers. Mm-hmm. You know, and successful people have a core, and then they have ancillary businesses that support the core. Right. There's a guy named Glenn Taylor who owns the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. This guy owns 400 companies. Wow. No wonder he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. But they're all in the same industry. Mm-hmm. They're all about wedding invitations, right? So he created a niche and basically took over the weddings industry. Mm. You know, and you can't be an expert in five different things. Right. Get a niche, and like you say, you can get rich in a niche, but you have to own it. So when I got into the training and development industry, I wanted to be a keynote speaker. I wanted to either open a closure conference or be a jolt in the middle. Uh-huh. I'm going to be entertaining and dynamic, and I tell all my clients, your biggest challenge is to find another speaker to follow me up, and that's okay because I can come back two years in a row. <laughs> you know, people laugh. They think it's cute. Yep. But do you know how many clients are bringing me back a second time? So I've learned. Well, how I know to I am. My clo- I know hey, I am. Brian, you fell for it, man. I got you in my mousetrap, man. You fell for the cheese. I caught you nibbling on my cheese, and then we hit you with the whammy. And happily so, right? Hey, thank you, Brian. Yep. That's the business, you know. Yep. We got to get good. You know, yep. when I played basketball, if you leave me open, I'm going to knock that jump shot down. There wow. you go. I shot 500 a day. Yeah. So if I have you on the phone and you're looking for a speaker, I'm closing it. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Why? Because right. this is what I do every day. I work at it. I practice it. I want to make sure I don't communicate. I connect. And that's another lesson that I want everyone on this phone call to hear. We're in the people business. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we have to do is understand that we're all in the people business. Well, I'm a realtor. Nope, you're in the people business. Well, I sell houses. Nope, you're in the people business. If you want to be a great realtor, you must become an expert with people. Mm-hmm. Brian, I've seen you work a room. Mm-hmm. You brighten up a room. And so a great business person has to be able to brighten up a room and own the room, mm-hmm. which means we need to become an expert with people. Up your social skills. Be likable. Smile. Be authentic. Ask them about themselves. 
you know, we need to teach people how to be better with people. Oprah Winfrey is a likability pimp. Mm. There's not another person on this earth. You're a close second, Brian. You're like in second place. But Oprah Winfrey convinced 30 million women that she was their best friend. Right. And she literally converted likability into millions. Yeah. Yeah. Billions. I've never heard that. that before, but me and Oprah are likability pimps. I, I might get a bumper sticker with that made, Walter. I'm going to put your hey, name right after it. Let's give me a cut of it. <laughs> <laughs> give me some royalty. Well, let's do this. We have so much, but again, I have great plans for us to do lots of cool stuff together. And again, what you're saying, I've seen you live it. I've seen it as a client. I've seen my clients who just raved about Walter Bond, I had a guy who's been in our coaching program for 22 years, who's been to every event we've done that you can name, who saw you in Anaheim. This is a guy who's so successful, he actually handles my real estate holdings. Wow. So he's a trusted advisor of us, and he said, Brian, you're going to have that dude come every week. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And he's been there, seen it all. So honored to have you here today. And I've got something I do, and we've done this with uh, the who's who, you name it, we've had on this podcast but I do five questions that are kind of a little bit different to kind of get a flavor of the man, the thought, and the process that I want to finish up with here today. Okay. So kind of delve in here. You'll have some fun with this. Okay. So here we go. Number one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? I would say my mom and dad. My mm. dad would always say go for it, mm. and my mom would say be sweet. Mm. That's how I was raised, always go for it and be sweet. Interesting. And, you know, it's worked. I'm always aggressive, but I'm always a nice guy. Yeah. And that formula was what I learned from That's awesome. Very proactive, very relational. That's brilliant. That's way to go, mom and dad. If you talk about someone who needs royalties, those guys. (laughs) Exactly. All right. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Probably being more organized. Okay. You know, I'm very talented on the platform. There's yeah. not many people, and I'm not bragging, there's not many people that are more gifted than me as a mm-hmm. presenter. Yeah. But in my industry, there's a lot of thought leaders that have an engineering brain. Yeah. And they are able to build a business better. And so I don't want to just be an entertaining sizzle guy. Yep. I got to get better at the engineering of building a business, and that's what mm-hmm. I'm working on. Good, good. That'll uh, hold you well. I do know that. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Well, one, my book, All But Stink, we've sold like 50,000, but Mm -hmm. I just read a book called Traction, Mm. and drawn a blank on the author's name, but just one word, Traction, and it really is a great book that can teach a business person the fundamentals of what they need to execute, Mm. you know, breaking down your year into 90 days and Mm -hmm. making sure that you're organized, because small business owners and entrepreneurs, we whiplash, you know, we chase shiny things, so this book, (laughs) Traction has really helped me, you know, kind of mature as a business guy. I'm an athlete that's learning how to become a business guy. Nice. And it's fun, it's exciting, but my business is always going to be a reflection of me. Yeah. And I think that's true for all of us. If you want to go and build a bigger business, that means you have to grow first. Mm, That's great stuff. We all suffer from the uh, shiny object syndrome. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. All right, so... You're in the car, maybe even the kids are in the back. It's Dad's Jam. What music? You want to get yourself going, fired up. What's your jam? What's either the band or the artist or the song that gets you going? All I do is win. Come on. That's all I do is win. (laughs) 
mean, all I do is win. You know, winning is a mentality. Winning mm-hmm. is a mindset. Yeah. And I know that if we think the right way, we'll do the right things. But if mm-hmm. we're not thinking the right way, we won't do the right things. So right. my program is called Think, Execute, Win. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. you got to think right first. There's not much difference between an A student and a C student, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, a C student will get an A. But they can't sustain it because they don't have good execution. Mm-hmm. A student has good study habits, right? They have good habits and good rituals. But all I do is win is my song. And I tell you what, that mentality will get you to act right. Because if you want to win, your actions have to line up with it. Nice, nice. All right, last one. You're scrolling through the channels. You don't get to do it very often. But all of a sudden, there's a movie on. And this is the movie that no matter when it's on, you always stop to watch it. What's the one movie you watch over and over again? Hmm. Well, honestly, I don't even watch TV anymore. Oh, uh, sure. I think TV is a huge waste of time. It I is. Tell all my audiences do not watch the news. But if I had to watch a movie, Love and Basketball. Really? Yeah. Nice. Sanaya Lathan. Uh, that's my wife and I. That's our movie, Love nice. and Basketball. It's a great love story. There it is. I mean, we've seen that movie a million times. Uh-huh. So Love and Basketball. Good. Well, you made a life of it, my friend. <laughs> You might say three stooges. Everybody would lost respect for them. <laughs> I almost bought a classic episode of the Three Stooges last week. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, as we finish up here, bud, what what's next for you? What are some of the projects that you're working with that some of our folks would be excited about? Well, here's the great thing is that we talked about niches today. Mm-hmm. We support and coach a lot of speakers, so we mm. launched a new business called premiumbreakouts.com. Nice. And basically, before I became an award-winning keynote, I did breakouts. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a guy in a little small classroom that nobody knew about, and sure. I would get high scores in these breakouts. And before I knew it, I got to the main platform. So right. we're supporting speakers who are trying to augment their income and salaries by booking them through premiumbreakouts.com. Nice. But also meeting planners. If you think about it, you know, you spend a lot of time finding your keynote speakers. Yeah. But sometimes finding your breakout speakers aren't as easy. No. And so why not go to one spot, find all your breakout speakers, cut one check, and we send you some highly skilled speakers trained by me, chosen by me, that will come in and knock your socks off and hopefully – supplement what the keynote speaker is talking about. Nice. So a lot of times I'll go in and do a keynote and then my team will come in and do all the breakouts. That's awesome. Beautiful. And if you look at this, if you listen to this show several times, you'll hear how success leaves clues. That's right. Get to that point. The same thing it took to get past that disappointment as a high schooler, freshman in college, persevering through to becoming super successful in college, getting drafted, getting in the NBA, learning from what didn't happen in the NBA, learning from what did, breaking that into his core and fundamentals, and then taking those same principles into speaking. And those same right. principles he learned from basketball is now in speaking. And now, while you've taken those principles you learned from speaking to teach other speakers and turn that into a business. And doesn't That's that all right. just make sense? It makes total sense. And, and my final thought, you know, Brian, thanks for having me today. But if you look in the jungle, I mean, if you look at that lion and the gazelle, Mm -hmm. they're both afraid, Mm. right? The gazelle is afraid they're going to die, and the lion is afraid they're going to starve. And one is a predator, one's prey. And to me, if you're going to have some fear, 
you know, don't have the fear that I just can't make it or I just got to live another day. Your fear should be I'm going to starve. And fear drives me, Brian. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid because when I got to the NBA, I was out before I knew it. But right now I'm on top of this mountain. I'm afraid that I'm going to slide off. And so my activity every day is so relentless because I'm afraid. I'm afraid for some reason, somehow, nobody's going to book me. And so my work ethic is driven by the fear of not being the best in the world anymore. And I don't ever want to feel that again. So I think successful people and people who fail are both driven by fear. But fear can paralyze if you're not careful or fear can drive you to that next level. Beautiful. Well, you know, our mutual friend, Les Brown, used to say, you got to be hungry, right? But what you're talking about is you got to stay hungry. I was That's meeting right. with my team today, and That's we're right. about to do our 20th anniversary mastermind. we got thousands of people coming. The people sign up a year in advance before the event starts. The event That's will right. be sold out for the following year. You're speaking at this year's mastermind. You know, it's an incredible audience, all that kind of stuff. I'm meeting with my team, and I said, here's my mindset. This is the last time I'm ever going to see any of these folks. This That's is right. the only time I'm ever going to see some... That's right. I don't care if they're coming for the next 20 years. I want to treat this mastermind like it's the last one I ever had. That's right. That's and it's right. the only one someone's ever going to hear. So let's make it count. And I think as long as you keep that, it keeps your passion alive. Right. It keeps your fire up. Right. It never becomes boring. And I, I want you to know we love having you at our events. You're absolutely a treat. You're a better guy. And so excited for you. You've got a great family. You've got a great business. It's a good life, my friend. And you've made my life and a whole bunch of other people's lives better. That's awesome. Well, Brian, thanks again. I can't wait to be with you guys. Yes, sir. And hopefully every time you hear me, I'm bigger, stronger, and faster. There we go. We cannot stay the same. we got to get better. Well, I plan on eating that cheese and staying in the trap. So it's <laughs> all good. Stay in the mouse trap, baby. Stay in the mouse trap. So before we end here today, there's some wonderful insights that we have from our producer, Mr. David Lally. So over to you, Dave. Hopefully you can add to the conversation Walt and I had today. What a fantastic interview with a total gent. Walter is actually on stage today at Mastermind Summit, our largest event of the year held in San Diego. Visit the website if you ever want to check out that incredible event. And to finish the show, here's Brian's mum with an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.